As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, it's 49ers-Cowboys week, always a special time, especially when it's the top-ranked Cowboys defense against that 49ers offense that's doing some historic stuff early in this season. It's going to be a lot of fun on Sunday night, a rematch of the past two playoffs. The 49ers and the Cowboys in the 2021 season played down in Texas, last year the Cowboys came to Levi's. This game on Sunday night is at Levi's. Matt, so far the 49ers have had the upper hand in this iteration of the rivalry in the 2020s. Uh, we can go back to the 90s where they traded blows. We can go back to the 80s where the 49ers obviously had the catch. And we can go back to the 70s where the Dallas Cowboys owned the rivalry. So this is a new new phase of it. And it is, I think it's a really good phase of it. I mean, we've had... Two excellent games where the 49ers' physicality has won out in 2021 and 2022. But Dallas is not short on talent, and they are an extremely explosive team on the defensive end. This is going to be another hell of a challenge for Brock Purdy, which, by the way, this is the first time that Brock Purdy has to face a defense that uh, has its own game tape on him because they played him before and has had an entire offseason to process that tape and try to make adjustments. I know the Arizona Cardinals played the 49ers last year and this year, but it was a different staff, different players. This is the same Dallas defense and defensive coordinator Dan Quinn that gave Brock Purdy some trouble last year. He played a good game, undoubtedly played a good game, but actually Brock Purdy's least efficient outing so far in the NFL did come against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I, I went back and I watched both of those uh, playoff games from the past two seasons. It's remarkable how similar the games went. Um, you know, defense uh, dominated for both teams uh, in, in both games. Uh, the 49ers give Dak Prescott a lot of problems uh, and the, the Cowboys defense is good. The pass rush is, is excellent. Uh, and that gave both Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. Uh, in January, uh, some some trouble. So it's going to be a great matchup. Um, I thought that the 49ers were just the, the better team in, in both cases. And I, I don't think I, I feel any differently this year about that. 
one of the things that jumped out to me, David, in those games is with special teams um, back in the, the 21 playoffs, uh, you remember the, uh, the, uh, the 49ers had a running into the kicker penalty, which uh, came at a, a really bad time because they pinned the Cowboys back in their own territory and, and the Cowboys got a fresh set of downs. And then the Cowboys also converted a, uh, a fake punt on fourth down. Uh, that they eventually turned into a field goal. And field goals, by the way, have been, uh, you know, the story of, uh, of these games. Lots of field goals in those two contests. So it's going to be a, a nice uh, kind of uh, early pressure test for Jake Moody. Uh, and then last year, uh, the special teams-wise, uh, Ray Ray McLeod had a fumble on a kickoff, and uh, the Cowboys had a really long return late in the game that also set up a field goal. So... Uh, my point is that I feel like if the 49ers get rid of their uh, special teams issues, maybe the game isn't quite as close as it's been the last two years uh, because uh, the Cowboys definitely had the upper hand as far as miscues and, and special teams mistakes uh, the last two seasons. Well, and I know that the kicking game hasn't been a problem as part of those special teams issues, but the 49ers can limit the amount of times they need to turn to their special teams if they accomplish one of their primary goals in this game, and that is better red zone execution against Dallas. Last year, one of the first things that came out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth after the game was, uh, I wish we were better in the red zone. They won one of three as far as red zone touchdown rate. And it's timely because last week against Arizona, the 49ers went five of five. They had a perfect game in the red zone against the Cardinals. It's obviously going to be harder against the number one defense as opposed to what the number 17 or the number 18 defense that the Cardinals brought to the table. But that five of five against the Dallas defense, that's only given up, I think 33% uh, touchdown rate in the red zone. That five of five is going to be put to the test this week. On the other side of the ball, it's really interesting because I think the primary weakness for the Cowboys has been their red zone offense. We saw the game against Arizona effectively end a couple weeks ago in the Cowboys' lone loss when Dak Prescott threw into triple coverage in the end zone. Kaiser White intercepted the football. The Cowboys ranked number 30 in red zone touchdown efficiency so far this year. So for you know a game that's expected to be lower scoring, uh, you know de- not defense dominated, but perhaps defense controlled, it's so important to cash in when you're close to the goal line Seven points is a very significant difference over three. And I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that red zone play, Matt, because the 49ers were able to do it with a lot of Robbie Gold last season. I will say, though, that at this point of the year, the 49ers defense isn't playing quite as efficiently, quite as well as it was last season. I don't think that's anything to panic about. I think they've still been good. But you, you probably do have to expect Dallas to score a little bit more than 12 points. Last year was 19 to 12. And if Dallas is going to score more than 12, if they're in that 20 range, well, then on the other side of the ball, the 49ers better keep on scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, both of those uh, uh, sides of the ball. Um, uh, yeah. Sorry, David, I, uh, I cut out there. Are you still there? Yeah, oh. yeah, you, you, you did. I wasn't sure if you cut, cut out or if I just couldn't hear you. But, yeah, you're, you're back. Okay. You, you, well, cool. yeah, I mean, uh, we, we should we should bring up the point that, uh, you know, uh, Robbie Gold obviously has never missed a playoff field goal. And so he was a big part of those wins. And um, I think that uh, one of the early season, it's not a surprise, 
But uh, I think one of the things that uh, is positive for the 49ers is that Jake Moody has looked uh, a lot like Robbie Gold in these games, um, has yet to miss a, uh, an extra point or a field goal. Uh, the kickoffs, however, have been a little bit of a problem. He's kicked two out of bounds. I think he's been doing a, a better job of uh, kicking touchbacks than uh, perhaps Robbie Gold did. Uh, but uh, one of them happened because he slipped on the SoFi surface in week two uh, as he was uh, kind of uh, delivering the, the kickoff. And I'm not sure what happened on this last one, but um, it uh, it gave the Cardinals the, the ball at the 40, and they kind of used that to uh, get a field goal on one of their drives. So um, I think, you know, my read, and you can uh, uh, give your opinion on this when I'm done, is that uh, the, the 49ers – like the fact that he he can directionally kick, he, they want to pin it into that corner and uh, be able to to tackle the kick returner, you know, inside the twenty, inside the twenty five. Is but it's it's not it's not as easy sometimes as uh, you think it might be. Um, if it was, uh, every team would do it every time. You know, my my question is, and I think a lot of fans share the same question: is why not just have the guy? kick the ball with all of his might and have it land, you know, eight yards into the end zone every time and then just have the opposing team start at 25 each time. It seems like it's the uh, uh, the, the easier way to approach it. Um, I, I just don't know whether that's feasible every time. Well, m- maybe they're trying to be greedy, right? Maybe they're trying to force the team to return but only get it out to the 15 to the 20-yard line. I know the 49ers are a very analytically driven team. They've got their uh, crew of guys uh, that are that are working on some of that data. And ev- basically, the basis of analytics is that every single yard has a point value. So if, if teams are starting at their own 18 versus their own 25, even if you can only get that advantage one or two times a game, it could be the difference in some of these tightly contested games, especially considering the fact that they're trying to play uh, complimentary football and that defense, if you, they can come out there with that pass rush, that ability to create takeaways, they led the league in interceptions last year with 20. Uh, if you can push that opposing offense back just five, six, seven yards, uh, that, that could be significant, especially with a home field advantage behind you. So that would be my guess as to why they're trying to directionally kick. That's why they're, uh, they're trying to squeeze every last drop of field position that they can out of the football game and with Jake Moody's young, fresh leg, uh, there are new possibilities, right? So we'll see if, if they continue to improve in that facet of the game. You can't be slipping on the turf though, like you did at SoFi. That's going to be, uh, something to, to keep an eye out for when they're on such surfaces, when they're on more of those turf surfaces. Anyway, Matt, uh, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, Brock Purdy and the 49ers offensive line against, this Dallas defensive line. The Cowboys lead the league in pressure rate by a massive amount, by like 12 percentage points. And they typically lead the league in pressure rate. This is a high-pressure kind of defense. They, I mean, they pass with reckless abandon, I would say. There's a reason why they lost to the team that is able to pound the rock, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. They give 222 yards on 7.4 per carry against the Cardinals. And I think it's because Dallas just loves pinning their ears back, going after the passer, They're designed to beat the new age football team that doesn't really run the football. But the 49ers and the Cardinals, uh, they aren't those types of teams. They they do run the ball. So 
I mean, the reason the games have gone the way that, you know, you mentioned they were similar in 2021 and 2022, I think the reason they follow that blueprint is because the 49ers have tried to pound the rock. Now, to Dallas's credit, last season they really slowed the 49ers run game over the first half of the game. They play 63% cover one, the Cowboys do, which means bringing the safety down into the box, adding an extra hat to stop the run, and then you play man coverage on the back end. So it's a risky defense. But the cover one in the first half against the 49ers gave up only 2.5 yards per carry. The 49ers made halftime adjustments with their quick game, with some of their, their run, uh, some of their run scheming, and they ended up averaging over four yards per carry in the second half, and it opened things up. To me, the key in this football game for the 49ers is how quickly can they establish that run? Because the Dallas defense, when they were stopping the run in the first half last year, they were tremendously disciplined on the back end. They weren't buying any of the 49ers fakes, and they were able to do what they do best, and that's pin their ears back and rush the passer. And they gave Mike McGlinchey and Daniel Brunskill and Spencer Burford a whole lot of trouble. So the 49ers need to make sure they play this game downhill, attack Dallas where they're supposedly weak, but Dallas is going to gamble at, on their weakness. Like they're going to gamble at their point of weakness with cover one. So it's going to be really challenging, and that probably is going to put a little onus on Brock Purdy. Uh, to make some yeah, throws early as well. Brock Purdy's strength has been. It's been kind of figuring out these, these coverages and knowing where to go with the ball. And, you know, we've all written about it. He's doing it like he's a 10-year veteran instead of a guy uh, who's going to be making his 10th ever regular season start. I mean, the, the style of defense that you're describing is one that is going to create a lot of one-on-one matchups for the 49ers. And uh, you saw Brock Purdy very comfortable throwing to Christian McCaffrey whenever he was one-on-one. There were so many of those sort of uh, choice routes, option routes that uh, that he had, that George Kittle had. Uh, that's an easy read for um, Brock Purdy. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey is going to win those battles when he's being covered one-on-one. Um, the, the, the difference, I think, is that he had time to sort of make those reads and make those throws against the Cardinals, um, he's going to have less time against the Cowboys. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be basically a combination of the Giants game and the Cardinals game. I think, uh, just a lot of pressure that he has to deal with a lot of quick reads and, uh, a lot of, uh, quick and accurate throwing that he's going to have to do. Um, John H has a question and I, I think it relates to what we're talking about. He says, uh, should be an awesome game. As far as red zone goes, I think Kittle is way past due to get into the end zone. Um, I, I agree with uh, John H., and I think uh, uh, George Kittle probably does too. Uh, the All-22 film of the Cardinals game showed Kittle wide open a couple of times, including once in the, in the end zone. Came on that, uh, on that play that uh, went to Christian McCaffrey, and he got pulled down by his face mask. So it was a good read by Brock Purdy. It would have been a, probably a touchdown had uh, the face mask not occurred. But uh, George Kittle was open on that play. He was open on a couple of other plays throughout the game as well. I was sort of astounded. He was targeted one time in that game, which is the fewest he's ever been targeted, even his rookie year. In the games that he played in, he was targeted more than once. Uh, so it was a, a real anomaly for the 49ers. I can only imagine, David, that part of it was that 
it, there were there were some easy reads for Brock Purdy. The you know the the reads to Christian McCaffrey, the deeper ones to Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, it it, 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 it meant that uh, Purdy knew where he was going and often uh, had multiple open receivers on the same play, and he just went elsewhere on those plays. But um, I agree with with John H. I think this could this has the potential to be a big um, George Kittle game because of all the one-on-one matchups that he might be seeing. And um, he caught a lot of TDs for this team after Brock Purdy took over late in the season last year. I forget what the number was. Maybe it was seven or eight within those five starts. So uh, there is a history of Purdy looking toward George Kittle, and uh, my guess is that that gets going in a big way on Sunday. Well, I think that's a great guess because George Kittle was the 49ers leading receiver against the Cowboys last year. Five catches, 95 yards, and that doesn't count the holding penalty that he drew near the end zone that extended a drive after a sack of Brock Purdy, and that drive ultimately led to Christian McCaffrey's touchdown, which would be the game-winning score for the 49ers. And, you know, it's no accident that Kittle was the leading receiver last year, and that's because of the cover one that I'm talking about. Cover one means that you're going to see a whole lot of guys up near the box trying to stop the run, and Kittle generally, he had five catches against five different receivers, but I think in cover one, the matchup they really like is when he's going to be up against J. Ron Curse, the, the safety, because I think he's a whole lot more athletic, has got a whole lot more change in direction and burst near the line of scrimmage, not to mention the size that George Kittle has. I mean, he's a matchup nightmare, I think, for any linebacker or safety or even cornerback. He's a matchup nightmare for anyone uh, due to the fact that he runs a 4.5 at 240 plus pounds. But um, I, I think this game in particular is what's going to accentuate some of that. There's not going to be the zone coverage on the back end. There's going to be a lot of man coverage, and uh, we've seen the 49ers go to Kittle in man situations time and time again, regardless of who the quarterback has been. So I think that definitely is on tap in this football game. We've got another question here. How's Debo health, health, how is Debo health-wise? La- is last week's low usage more an indicator of health or not being available during practice week to prep? Um, I think it's very clearly an indicator of not being during practice week, the prep. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense, Matt, is very, very specific in that Kyle really wants the ball to go to the first or option, or if that fails in the second option, you, you rarely see Kyle happy when a play has to go to the third or fourth option. So if you're not practicing during the week, you're not going to be installed as a first or second option. And they got Debo a little bit of work, but I think he was primarily a decoy in that game. I, I you know, I don't, I didn't see a reason for the 49ers to try to push him through health issues last week. I think he ended up being healthy enough to play, but he didn't practice enough to get a a big load. Plus, uh, there's a good chance that he has a heavy load against the Cowboys this week. So uh, there's a good chance that he's going to be fresh, right? And I think that's why the 49ers approached it the way that they did against the Cardinals. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, for the 49ers, the the install obviously is on Wednesday, and then the big practice, really an intense practice, is on Thursday. And Debo didn't get back onto the field until Friday, which is a uh, comparatively light practice. So the the hay was in the barn, and I think the 49ers just realized, uh, you know, especially in contrast to how well Brandon Ayuk was pa- uh, practicing that week. Um, Kyle even uh, commented on that on on Friday, just a really good week of practice for IU. I think it was clear to them that this was going to be 
a big IU game, and um, everything sort of worked out in, in that manner. Uh, and you're right. Uh, you, you have to give Debo Samuel credit. He was a decoy on some of those routes, um, some of the, the deep underneath stuff that Ayuk was running. Um, you see Debo in the, in the screen uh, a little bit beyond him sort of clearing out the coverage. So um, he was utilized but not as a pass catcher. You know, similar game to um, George Kittle, who, by the way, w- was a monster as a, as a blocker in the game, whenever uh, a running back has 177 total yards, you can bet that uh, George Kittle was prominent as a blocker, and he uh, he definitely was. Um, there was a good comment here. I'm trying to find it now. Uh, oh, yeah. Chris R. writes, Might VA's emerging deep threat create a situation that helps clear out the Dallas cover one safety deep? helping the under routes uh, have even more space for yards after catch. Thinking about Kittle, uh, especially because Dallas plays so much cover one and Kittle gets open. Yeah, for sure. Um, that, that's a great uh, way to look at it, how the Arizona game sort of sets up this game. Um, and Kyle Shanahan definitely said that he wasn't thinking about um, the Cowboys as they were practicing for the Arizona Cardinals, but I mean, um, you know, that, that is something that occurs. I mean, you, uh, he does it, you know, from half to half, he does, he calls certain plays and early in the game so that he can call other plays late in the game. And I don't see why that, that doesn't hold forth with, uh, game to game as well. Um, uh, so that will be interesting. I think everybody is, is thinking that, that Kittle, uh, McCaffrey, Debo will have big games. And that's sort of the way it's gone for the 49ers in recent seasons. Ayuk um, will have a, uh, a monster game, and then everybody will think uh, he's going to have another one, a second one in a row, but uh, it'll be another one of these weapons. So that's just uh, that's just something that, that Shanahan can, can use. It's a luxury that you have when you have so many weapons on offense. And there are so many comparative advantages that they have. Somebody asked me the other day, who's better Debo or Brandon Ayuk? And I said that that's such an unnecessary and unanswerable question because one of these guys is a sports car and one of these guys is a diesel truck. And you're happy to have both of them in your garage, right? You're going to use both of these vehicles for, for different reasons and different purposes. So the 49ers offense is so damn dangerous because you have Debo with a certain skill set. You have Brandon Ayuk with a certain skill set. You have George Kittle with a certain skill set. Elijah Mitchell's a certain skill set. And then you have Christian McCaffrey who can do everything, right? So, I mean, that's what's really unlocked it is that Christian McCaffrey is so uncoverable because he brings both power, quickness, and speed. He brings all of it to the table, and that it creates a gravitational effect on defenses. Somebody's going to be open. I, I said after the game, or maybe on Twitter, I forgot when I said it, but... My, my main thing after the Cardinals game was this offense is unguardable if everyone is healthy and if Brock Purdy correctly distributes the football, which is not an easy task. So a couple big conditionals there, obviously. But if Brock Purdy properly distributes the football, and that's also relying, obviously, on pass protection, I don't think, Matt, that defenses can geometrically handle the 49ers five eligibles with Christian McCaffrey in the mix and with Debo healthy and with Brandon Ayuk out there. And that relates to this really good question that we got from Chris R. 
if, if Ayuk is there to be able to stretch the defense, run his routes, if Debo Samuel's there with his physical threat, if George Kittle's there with his run blocking slash, uh, you know, pass route option threat, and if Christian McCaffrey is there to do anything and take, you know, a second defender and force that defender to at least shade toward him, the geometry just doesn't work out for opposing defenses to fully cover the 49ers. So that puts the onus on Brock Purdy and the 49ers offensive line, pass protection-wise, to give Purdy enough time to be able to find where that inevitable opening will be, and then he just has to distribute. And I think this is the Kyle Shanahan dream right now, right? He's got enough eligibles and has enough differing skill sets to play in those positionless skill position spots to be able to torment opposing defenses all day long as long as his quarterback is able to pull the trigger, make the decision, and get the ball downfield. Yeah, which, which uh, you know, puts a big onus on Colton McKibbitz, who's going to be going up against uh, Demarcus Lawrence a lot. Um, looks like Jonathan Hankins will be going up against uh, Spencer Burford a lot. Those have been the weaknesses in the offensive line, and it's something that a team like the Cowboys can can really take advantage of. David, what, what have you been seeing from Mike Parsons and and how the Cowboys use him. Uh, is he going to be lining up all over the field? Will he be matched up against McKibbitts throughout the game? Uh, what do they do with number 11? Well, last year, Micah Parsons had eight pressures against the 49ers, and he lined up against both Trent Williams and, and Mike McGlinchey on the right side. He did most of his damage against McGlinchey, and it was a big problem for the 49ers. It was really interesting because if you look at Brock Purdy's spray chart where he threw the ball, I would say 70% of his throws, maybe even 75%, went to the right side of the field. The 49ers very clearly were throwing in the direction of the pressure, which is customary. The Cowboys also blitz 31% of the time, which is the seventh highest rate in the NFL. Most of their pressure, whether it be through Parsons deciding to line up or Dan Quinn telling Parsons to line up against Colton, uh, against Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, or whether it be the blitzes that the Cowboys brought, those were against the right side. So the 49ers try to diffuse it by throwing into the teeth of the pressure because you feel that if there is heavier, uh, if, if there is a heavier rush from that side, there's going to be something vacated on that side. And in general, the game plan worked. I think the Cowboys, though, are going to try to replicate what they did pass rushing wise because they were able to disrupt the 49ers offensive line so much in the 2022 playoff game. And I do believe that this is a big time measuring stick game for both Colton McKivitz and Spencer Burford and hell, maybe even Jake Brendel, because we've seen Micah Parsons line up and rush the A gap as well. He's going to be all over the formation. But where he did all of his most of his damage last year was that right side. And Colton McKivitz is coming off of two good games. He had the one loss against Dennis Gardeck against Arizona on the spin move. That was the uh, play that set up Brock Purdy's one incompletion. But other than that, Colton McKivitz has not given up a single pressure uh, over the, the last two weeks. That was the only bad play. This is going to be that litmus test, Matt. We're going to see how much improvement Colton McKivitz has indeed made because it's not just Micah Parsons. It's also Demarcus Lawrence on this Dallas defense. Uh, inside, you have Osa Digazua. And I mean, this defensive line goes all the way down to, to Dante Fowler Jr. is a really good pass rusher coming off the edge. So the Dallas is deep. They lead the league in pressure rate. And Micah Parsons lines up everywhere. So this is going to be a test for both offensive tackles, especially Colton McKivitz. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right to note that 
McKibbitt's had that uh, that bad game against T.J. Watt in Week One, but he's been more solid since then, um, and uh, we should give him credit for uh, improving from game to game a bit. This is a good question. Um, it's from Anonymous U. He says, "Why uh, uh, says the 49ers are giving Kyle Juszczyk lots of prominent routes uh, when they already have too many mouths to feed in the passing game? Any insight into why that might be, or is that good, bad, neutral? Uh, it's something that uh, uh, anybody who watches uh, JTO Sullivan's uh, breakdowns uh, of, of 49ers games uh, he noted that that they sent they were sending Uzcheck on a lot of uh, deep routes, um, a lot of kind of clear out routes, things like that in that game. And O'Sullivan was wondering, okay, why are you giving these routes to a fullback? As as a special as Uzcheck is, it did seem odd to uh, uh, J T O'Sullivan that he would get such prominent routes. I mean, I think one of uh, the reasons is probably something we, we cited early is that when the 49ers were doing this install early in the week, they didn't know whether Ayuk was going to play. They didn't know whether uh, Debo Samuel was going to play. They didn't know whether Juwan Jennings was going to play. So they had to sort of tap into all of their uh, weaponry and, and, and maybe as, uh, as they were, uh, kind of devising the game plan for the Cardinals, uh, check popped out to them. Uh, David, uh, how do you sort of explain all the, uh, the, the deep prominent routes that the fullback was taking against Arizona? I think, I think it's a lot simpler. I think you have to set up the run and to, to set up the run, you have to credibly establish Kyle Juszczyk as a threat, not just the block. Right. If Kyle Juszczyk comes into the game and all he does is run block, well, then the defense is going to be able to either key in on run blocks or extremely short pass patterns. The, again, this is, I was saying a similar thing about the 49ers defense a little bit earlier this week. People are, you know, sometimes wonder about in game adjustments or the lack thereof from Steve Wilkes. I don't think the 49ers are coaching these games specifically for these games and making adjustments specifically for who they're playing on any given Sunday. I also think that they're scheming this to set stuff up for later in the season. So in the case of Kyle Juszczyk, if you start to develop way too many run tendencies and way too many short pattern tendencies when he's out on the field, somebody like Philadelphia, who you're playing in December in week 13, they're going to take note of that and they're going to key in on stuff when Kyle Juszczyk is in the game. So you've got to run him on a you know uh, an assorted uh, range of plays early on if you want to set stuff up for December and January. Now the fact that Yushchek he got one target and it was a holding call. He uh, Kaiser White was trying to cover him. It was actually the first throw of the game from Brock Purdy. The fact that Yushchek didn't have any other passes thrown his way over the rest of the game indicates that he was not the first or second read on any of those plays. So to me, that clearly says, okay, this guy, it, it's, it's like a decoy route. It's a ghost route. It's something that's going to be on tape. that other teams now must take it, you know, into account. And if they fall asleep on it, if they say, Oh, well, he wasn't the first read anyway, the 49ers are never going to go to him. Yeah. You is going to start being open downfield and Kyle should, you better bet that Kyle Shanahan will dial up uh, a throw downfield to Kyle Yuschek. So it, it may not pay off in the box score, in week two, week three, week four, week five. But there's going to be a play downfield to Kyle Juszczyk. Mark my words, at some point this season where it does pay off 
And I do think that it also is going to pay off in more subtle ways when the 49ers continue having rushing success. Because if Juszczyk is putting that on tape, teams cannot 100% key in on the run. And that's extremely important to Kyle Shanahan. It's a good point. I mean, you want to create doubt in a, in a defense. So uh, when uh, Kyle Juszczyk is out there, yeah, they're probably going to run the ball. But boy, uh, you don't want to be wrong about that if you're a defensive player. So it kind of creates that will they or won't they, which is what the Kyle Shanahan uh, offense is predicated on. Um, they're going to uh, be able to run or throw out of the same personnel groups, the same alignments, the same motions. Uh, and it creates that doubt in the defense. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Edwin S. has a question about the other side of the ball, the 49ers defense, and uh, he's wondering whether all of these pressures that the 49ers have been having are eventually going to turn into sacks. And he wonders whether the Dallas uh, offense will continue to use the short passing game like some of the uh, the, the 49ers uh, opponents ha- have been doing to them recently. I mean, I think the answer is yes. Um, you you do what's successful. Uh, the, the Cowboys are going to look at what the other teams have done, and they certainly have the weaponry to do that. Um, Pollard is a is a good running back. He's also good out of the backfield. Um, David, how do you see that uh, playing out as far as uh, the quick passing game and whether the 49ers will be able to hit home a little bit better? against Dak Prescott in this Dallas offensive line? Well, interestingly enough, Dallas has completely changed their passing offense with Dak Prescott since the last time the 49ers faced them, and they've moved to a shorter pass, quicker release game. They're calling it the Texas Coast offense, a hybrid (laughs) of what they used to run and with the West Coast offense. But Dak used to average close to eight air yards per attempt, which was near the top of the league. He's now near the very bottom of the league. Is it like 5.5? average air yards per attempt his release time has gotten way quicker but uh you know dallas i think this was mainly a reaction to the fact that prescott was throwing a ton of picks last year 15 interceptions led the league they said okay wait we we have to we have to rein this in there there are too many giveaways it also might have been a little bit of an adjustment to to, for the 49ers because i mean it's an arm arms race at the top of the nfc so the 49ers and the eagles both have very good pass rushes the Cowboys were not able to beat the 49ers or the Eagles last year. And that's, you know, the for, for them, that's who they have to overcome to, to reach the next level. So I think that they said, hey, you know, we could beat the crap out of a, a lot of teams with 
puny pass rushes if we're just sitting back after a seven-step drop and throwing downfield. But this is not working against the teams that really get after us up front. So they moved to this Texas Coast offense. Dak is getting rid of the ball a lot more quickly. He's only thrown one interception, so they've cut down on that. But their overall efficiency hasn't been better. They're, they're the number 16 offense right now per DVOA in the NFL. It, it still is, you know, an, an, an issue here. You basically tried to correct one thing, but it's led to other issues. They're, they're not seeing the explosiveness that they want downfield. So, um, that is basically the story of how teams have faced the 49ers so far this year, by the way. They've resorted to the quick pass game, but they've lost efficiency because of it. The 49ers all are allowing the least yards after the catch per reception in the league. So what's happening is the teams are afraid of the pass rush. They're getting rid of the ball really quickly. It's depressing the 49ers sack total, but because the 49ers are ready for these quick passes, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw have turned into tackling machines. They always were tackling machines, but now it's the industrial revolution there for tackles for the 49ers. 20 total between uh, Fred Warner and, and, and Dre Greenlaw, and it's snuffing out all explosiveness and all yak. Um, for, for, from other teams. The 49ers didn't get beat underneath against the Arizona Cardinals. They got beat over the top a couple times because uh, they, they weren't able to completely stop the run. So it, it's interesting to me that what Dallas is doing as a season-long project, as you know, just a general shift offensively, is exactly what teams are doing specifically against the 49ers on a week-by-week basis. And I think that the results speak for themselves so far, Matt. The 49ers have handled it well. Um, so, so Dallas better have a few wrinkles in their game plan unless they want to suffer the same fate as uh, the, the four teams that have already lost to the 49ers. Yeah, and that'll be something to monitor this week. Um, you know, Dre Greenlaw had that 10-tackle game despite playing on a, uh, on a bum ankle. And you could see him laboring um, on it after a couple of plays. And I, th- I just thought it was a really kind of gritty effort by him to have a big game like that despite not being – hundred percent. I don't even think he, he was, uh, uh, you know, up up to speed. I thought he was getting to the sideline a little bit more slowly than he usually does because of the ankle. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's something to watch this week. Is he on the injury report? Does he practice every day? Uh, because that could be a big deal. Um, Andrew S. asked the question that I got. Uh, we've seen a lot on Twitter this week. How do you think Trey Lance's knowledge of the 49ers offense will help the Cowboys? David, uh, you go first. Uh, is, uh, is Trey Lance whispering in Dan Quinn's ear this week? Absolutely not. If, by that logic, then Anthony Brown is whispering even more into, into Kyle Shanahan's ear this week, right? Uh, that Anthony Brown is the cornerback of the 49ers sign who spent seven seasons with Dallas. There's, there's so much turnover in this league uh, on a year-in, year-out basis that it, it's it, – uh, it, you would have players just spilling secrets everywhere. It's just not the way that the NFL works. The way that the NFL works is that the secrets are already out there on tape. And these coaches study thousands of hours of tape. They know what everybody runs. Everybody knows everybody else's playbook. It's not about the – actual playbook it's about how you deploy it within the course of a game and unless the trey lance is actually sitting in on meetings this week uh he has no information of use to the dallas cowboys so that's about all i have to say about that well i mean uh teams do 
um, ask guys um, questions about their former teams. I remember when Craig Dahl, a uh, longtime Rams safety, got uh, signed by the 49ers, and Dahl admitted that the 49ers asked him questions about the, the Rams' defense and how they would react to certain plays and things like that. So I think that that does occur. Um, uh, the question is, are the Cowboys learning anything that they don't already know? No, exactly, yeah. Uh, I mean, everything's on tape. What, what Brock Purdy is good at and what Brock Purdy struggles with, that's, that's something that a good defensive coordinator is going to learn by watching all of Brock Purdy's games. So uh, there, there might be some discussion this week, but uh, how much it helps, I think, is the real question. I mean, the Cardinals had, what, three guys who spent all offseason with the 49ers, um, and, and, and uh, it, it didn't seem to help them very much. So, um, you know, m- maybe the one area would be, um, I, I assume that Trey Lance was the, the scout team quarterback for the, um, the 2021 playoff game in Dallas where Garoppolo was a starter and might know, you know, a little bit more about the defense because of that. But again, gee, uh, what the 49ers do on defense is pretty obvious from what you see on tape. And as you noted, this is a Cowboys uh, team. All the coaching staff is pretty much intact that has played them in big games uh, the last two seasons. So I think everyone's cards are pretty much on the table already. And um, Lance being on that uh, Cowboys team doesn't really help uh, in that regard. I fully agree. We have a question. How do we stop 49ers Twitter going into meltdown if they lose and Brock plays badly? Uh, the answer there is that you don't stop it. That's, <laughs> that's inevitable. <laughs> that's completely <laughs> inevitable. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, at some point, Brock Purdy is going to play a bad game, right? I, I'm not sure, but, I mean, nothing is absolute, but logic would tell you that I, I, my first sentence of my article this morning, Matt was Brock Purdy has yet to play a bad game as a professional. And I put out a chart that proves that he's never been in negative efficiency. He's never had a, a below average QBR. In fact, the two lowest figures uh, in both of those categories came against the Cowboys last year. So even the game that the Cowboys, and I watched that tape last night and boy, that, Hats off to Dallas. They were so disciplined, especially in the first half. They they were ready for everything that the 49ers were bringing. It was like, it's really funny that, you know, there's this talk about Trey Lance sharing secrets now. Dallas was had read all the fakes. They, it, it was like they knew the 49ers playbook already last season. But even in that moment of struggle, Brock Purdy prevailed. And, and the key was he didn't turn the ball over. He really outlasted. Dak Prescott last year in it was kind of this this staring match right both quarterbacks were facing really good defenses it's a game where you're gonna have to punt a lot but just don't turn the ball over don't give the other team any easy scores and Dak uh, blinked twice he threw two interceptions and Brock Purdy didn't turn the ball over he was smart enough to take a few sacks uh, throw the ball away a few times and then he throws that he needed to hit he was actually exceptionally accurate against the Cowboys last year so this is going to be a good game. And at some point, Brock, uh, Brock Purdy is going to, I think, will have a bad game unless he's superhuman, which he might be. But when he does, I, I, I do fear the reaction, Matt, because people have go- grown so accustomed 
to how how good Brock Purdy is. I mean, the floor has been set at such a high level that when inevitably the floor does, you know, fall out for for a one game stretch, maybe a two game stretch. Uh, it, who knows how people are going to react, right? But it's going to be very important when that happens to maintain that zoomed out approach and realize that this is the NFL and even Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and Steve Young had their share of bad games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, a- asking Twitter for perspective <laughs> might be too, uh, a bridge too far. But um, yeah, you're right. That, that, that bad game is going to happen. You know, he's gotten lucky on some throws too. I mean, there's been some dispute about the uh, the deep ball to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, it looked to me like that ball wasn't going where he wanted it to go. Uh, and Ayuk made a fantastic adjustment. Uh, to, it, to my eyes, after watching the All-22 film, um, I, I don't think that that was a very good throw. I think if the Cardinals' safety, who was on that side of the field initially and, and then drifted drifted the wrong way, had just turned around and seen the ball, it would have been an easy pick or at least a pass breakup. My point being is that, yeah, at 20 of 21, you noted the, you know, the, the throw to use check was incomplete. There was a penalty. There was a sort of a bad throw in the end zone too. sort of, he just kind of, you know, threw off his back foot and got rid of it. That was saved by a penalty too. There, there was some luck involved in 20 of 21 it still would have been an excellent excellent game for Brock Purdy uh but you know uh, you, you can see him you can see the possibility of him having a bad game I guess is uh is what I'm trying to say here um now Dak Prescott tends to throw a lot of picks and has done so against the 49ers quite a bit one of which last year was or in the last year's playoff game was uh, one in which uh, Jimmy Ward, then the nickel cornerback, uh, broke up a pass and, and tipped it to Fred Warner. And it, and it kind of brings up sort of the weird way that the 49ers are continuing to go about the, the nickel cornerback position. Uh, I thought that when Isaiah Oliver had his big game in L.A. in week two, that would sort of solve the issue. Uh, okay, all of a sudden, Oliver is playing like the 49ers wanted him to. He's making plays. He had that nice pick. Uh, they're not going to kind of do the the tinkering that they've been doing, but they did it uh, uh, on Sunday against the Cardinals, and I feel like it uh, it bit them because it sent Ambry Thomas into the game. Ambry Thomas got bit by the double move, and that's uh, set up the uh, the Cardinals' first touchdown right before the half. They got some momentum, and uh, they kept the the game close into the third quarter. It could have been a blowout at that point. Uh, so I don't know. It, it, it seems to me like the 49ers are sort of outsmarting themselves with all this kind of tinkering and substituting uh, when y- you got a guy who's playing pretty well in Isaiah Oliver. Why not just keep him in there? Uh, what are your thoughts about nickel cornerback? I, I just don't think that they have a lot of faith in Isaiah Oliver's change of direction to cover the, the shiftier slot guys. So, You know, if Ambry Thomas continues to to be a little bit of a liability on the outside, I think the 49ers may say, hey, well, yeah, they'll do exactly what you're saying, Matt. They'll say it's Isaiah Oliver's less of a liability in the slot than Ambry Thomas is on the outside. So um, let's just continue to to play it this way. But, I, you know, the Cardinals made a very, very specific decision 
and I talked to Diamond or Lenore about this because this was a break of tendency. They they moved Hollywood Brown to the slot to force to make their adjustment, and that sent Isaiah Oliver out of the game. Lenore moved inside, and that forced Ambry Thomas into the game, and then they picked on Ambry Thomas. So. Uh, I would expect Dallas to, to try something similar because Arizona did have some success with that. And we saw C.D. Lamb in the slot last year, actually, for the Cowboys. One of the most impressive plays defensively of the season was when Fred Warner completely blanketed C.D. Lamb in the slot in the red zone. That's something I'll never forget. And he actually, Fred downfield, 40 yards downfield against Arizona. So Fred hasn't lost a step. And that, that really gives the 49ers defense uh, a cheat code advantage on the back end when their linebacker, uh, can cover like that, but I would expect Dallas to try to um, bring C.D. Lamb inside to lure Diomino Lenore into the slot because I do think they would like to see Ambry Thomas in the game. To me, that's the only pronounced weakness on this 49ers defense right now. We could talk about the need for or the desire for more edge rushers. I think any team, anywhere in the league, would always want to have more edge rushers if they could pay them and if they could fill them on the roster. Just one of those positions you can never have enough guys. But specifically speaking, when you look at the 49ers play, their pass rush has been really good. The linebackers have been really good. The safeties have been really good. And uh, they've gotten a lot of good cornerback play, but there's one cornerback spot that that has been exposed. Uh, it hasn't had to play all too much, but but teams are starting to figure out if you do uh, a certain amount of machinations with your wide receivers, you can get Ambry Thomas into the game. And that, to me, is, is the biggest point of concern on the 49ers defense. Yeah, I wonder at, at what point we'll see Anthony Brown in that role. Obviously, uh, he's not quite ready yet. He had the uh, Achilles tear in December of last year. Um, and hasn't really caught on with any team. The 49ers are, are making a bet that he eventually will be back. And when he is, he's a starter caliber guy and um, would seem to be the ideal guy if the 49ers wanted to bring D'Amador Lenore in at nickel and have somebody else on the outside. I, it doesn't seem like that is in the offing, however. Uh, but you're right. I mean, if CD Lamb is in the middle... Uh, in the slot, who do you want uh, against him? Do you want Isaiah Oliver or do you want Diamador Lenore? I mean, I, I, I know I'm arguing against myself there, but I would rather have Lenore, but I, I, I would be concerned about the, the outside uh, at that point. So I don't know. It's a, it's a conundrum that, the, that Steve Wilkes is obviously uh, working his way through. It'll be interesting to see him talk. On Thursday, he's been pretty revelatory when he when he speaks. So um, he's uh, he's been good for the media. Um, we've been talking for about fifty minutes here, David. How do you see this game going, and do you have a uh, a final score prediction? All right. Well, you put me on the spot, so I'm going to process it in my brain right now. I so this is you know if you just want to look at the DVOA rankings. Very briefly, the 49ers are the number two offense behind Miami, the number seven defense. It's really an inversion of what we've seen in previous years where the 49ers have had a, a top two defense, but an offense that's top 10, but isn't, isn't quite elite. So the 49ers now are an offense-led team, and we probably see that balance out over the course of the year. I do think the defense still has its best football in front of it. Anyway, that number two, number seven 49ers unit is going to be going up against the Cowboys team that has the number one defense 
and the number 16 offense. Like, yeah, I don't think people are focused enough right now on uh, how mediocre the Dallas offense has been ever since moving to this Texas coast attack. Uh, they've won in blowouts, but their defense has scored in these blowouts. Their special teams has been scoring in these blowouts. So, uh, it, I think this is a, if the 49ers play a clean game, which they did against the Cowboys last year, this is a game where their defense can really take that, that next step and, uh, hold the Cowboys down, right? Last year they held them to 12. Uh, I, I did mention that the 49ers defense hasn't been playing quite as well. There are still are some holes. So maybe the Cowboys score a bit more, but I do think it's significant that Dallas has not been playing as well offensively. Uh, as the 49ers, I think number 16, that number 16 rank tells, tells you a lot. So long story short, I do predict the 49ers to win. Uh, the 30 point streak probably ends in this game. I do think they score 24 and I think that Dallas scores 17. We'll say 24, 17, 49ers. It, it is, uh, interesting that they're playing the Cowboys early in the season while they're uh, all the Cowboys are adjusting to that. What, what did you call it? The the Texas Coast the, offense? The Texas Coast, yeah. And that, <laughs> that helps the 49ers. You're exactly right, playing them in week five. Yeah, I mean, maybe the, the Texas Coast will be humming in December. Um, by the way, if, if, if you've ever been to the Texas Coast, it's not, not quite as scenic as the Pacific Coast. <laughs> it's a little bit, a little <laughs> bit warmer, Galveston, too, right? The Galveston it's a sauna. Area, uh, you can probably skip it. Uh, uh, from your uh, your your uh, bucket list, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a that's a great point. Is that the, the Cowboys are probably still working through some issues with that new offense, and uh, the 49ers play them again in January. It might be a, a different scenario, but um, I agree. Uh, maybe the thirty point streak ends, but uh, boy, the 49ers are humming. Brock Purdy is making all the right decisions. Uh, so I see this being another sort of ugly score game, lots of field goals, things like that. I'm going to go 26-16, 49ers. There you go. 26-16, 24-17 from me. Sounds, sounds like a plan. Sounds like the 49ers are, they are favored. I think they're three and a half point favorites. I do think that that spread is a little bit smaller, uh, than it would have been at Dallas. Not, I mean, the, the way that Dallas has wanted the games this year has been so gaudy because of some of those turnovers. I don't think that spread would be as big um, had it, the Giants, the Jets, and the Patriots not thrown up all over themselves. I think Dallas is good, but I think that uh, they were brought back down to earth a little bit by by Arizona. And the 49ers can attack them in, in a similar way. They can run at them. Remember, exiting this show, keep this number in mind. The Cardinals ran for 222 yards on 7.4 per carry against the Cowboys, and that completely diffused the Dallas pass rush. Josh Dobbs sat back there, and, you know, he could have baked the cake in the pocket. He was 17 to 21. He was really comfortable. So, um, and the 49ers, they turned around, and, and they did a good job stymieing that Arizona offense. It wasn't perfect, but they did a whole lot better job than the Dallas defense. So, I think the 49ers can attack the Cowboys in a similar way that the Cardinals did. And that's my final verdict. We'll see if we're right on Sunday. Anyway, uh, for Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. It's been another episode of Here's the Catch in live room fashion. Those of you listening to this later, make sure to tune in live next time and, and, and ask your questions. We'll be happy to answer them on the air. Everybody, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the game. 49ers-Cowboys on Sunday.